Imagine having a friend who would steal money from you, share your private information with people who hated you, and take a bribe to have you killed. Jesus had a friend like that, and his name was Judas. It's really easy to paint Judas as the ultimate villain, but are we anything like Judas? Thank you for joining Keep the Heart for today's podcast with Francie Taylor. Francie is an author, teacher, and conference speaker. Sharing lessons from the Word of God is her passion. Now, back to today's important study. If you've been listening to these podcasts for a while, you've probably noticed that these are Bible application lessons, not in-depth Bible studies. I encourage you to dive deeper into the Word and look up passages related to these verses we'll cover and then study the context. The goal of these podcast episodes is to make Bible study meaningful, which loosely translated, it just means this, let's learn it and then let's apply it. I hope you're in the Word daily. It is our essential soul food. Judas Iscariot has always made me wonder, How could he have spent so much personal time with Jesus, listened to his sermons, observed the miracles he performed, experienced Christ's deep abiding love, and still turn against him? Clearly, Jesus didn't mean that much to him. Could the same be said of us? How could we have more than one Bible, hear the preaching of the Word weekly, attend Bible studies, memorize scripture, go to special services, and still live in any way we please. It's obviously more than what we do. It's who we are. When you study the lives of people from the Bible, you'll notice common characteristics that we may not want to admit having in ourselves. It's so much easier to point out the faults of others than it is to recognize the flaws in ourselves. Judas had certain traits that are common to those who are disregarding God. We'll consider three of those things about Judas, and this can also double as a personal examination, so be thinking of your own life as we cover these. First of all, Judas was a traitor. Luke 6.16 lists the disciples, and Judas is in the list, but he's number last of the twelve. He's described like this, and Judas Iscariot, which was also the traitor. Judas wasn't a traitor. He was the traitor. He was the disciple who left the legacy of ultimate defector. While it was the worst form of desertion in history, we can't pretend that we don't have the same sin tendencies as Judas. A traitor can seem to be a very respectable person until they're exposed. Basically, a traitor is a disloyal rebel whose main focus is doing things to benefit themselves. They only care about how others can profit them. It's easy to judge Judas, but what about those times when we're critical of those who are giving us something, such as an employer? They give us a check in exchange for our work time. Do you work for someone and then run them down behind their back? Or are you doing something for someone so that you'll gain something from them and then you'll just desert them? We are all capable of traitorous behavior, just like Judas. A second thing we see is this. Judas was a betrayer. 
A betrayer is basically a turncoat that usually collaborates with others who have evil intentions. They will change sides to benefit themselves. In the case of Judas, he made a deal to betray Jesus in exchange for money. Consider the pictures painted by these verses. Matthew 26:14 through 15 tells us this. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. So basically the scenario is this. Judas knew that the chief priests wanted to kill Christ. And so instead of trying to protect Jesus like a friend would do, he went to the people who were trying to kill him and said, Okay, what will you give me? And I'll give you Jesus. It was so, so evil. But he was a betrayer. He was a deceitful man. And one of the most painful passages is Luke 22, 47 through 48. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Oh, what a painful question. Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Here's a friend coming with a mob to kill his very best friend. Judas could never have had a better friend on earth than Jesus. And Jesus was very long-suffering with Judas. Jesus, knowing who Judas was and that he was a deceitful, evil man, still kept him in the disciples. And it was because it was to fulfill the prophecy of Christ's crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. We know that. But at the same time, how hard it is to read that Judas walked up to Jesus after he betrayed him and tried to let the chief priest know, here's the man, the one that I'm going to kiss is the one you can take away. Jesus just called him right out on it. Betrayest thou the son of man with a kiss? I wonder if Judas could even look Jesus in the eye after that. But before we gang up on Judas, have we ever turned on someone who used to call us friend? Have we talked about someone behind their back and then when we're in their presence, we smile at them and give them a big hug? Have we left a church because we had a negative experience with someone and then we painted the entire church family with one big ugly brushstroke? If we're living like double agents who are ready to trade sides from Christianity to the world or we're trying to ride the fence and be on both sides, we're behaving like Judas. The third and final thing we're going to cover from Scripture because there's so much more to Judas's life than we could cover in a brief episode, but consider this, Judas was under evil influence. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? That's what we're told in John 6, 70. And then Luke 22, 3 says, Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. Judas was under the control of Satan. He did what he was told, and he followed orders like a soldier in the wrong army. When Satan entered Judas, as the scripture says, the enemy took full control. This was a possession. And he used Judas until Christ was betrayed. After the betrayal was complete, the enemy had no more use for Judas. The remorse that Judas showed is described in Matthew 27, verses 3 through 4. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, 
repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. It was clear here that Judas realized he had made a grave, irreversible error. It was also clear that the chief priests didn't care. They didn't care from the start. They hated Jesus. Their goal was to kill him. And so they were on task. They didn't care what Judas did or what happened with him. It was such a sad story. So often people who pretend to be for us when we're not walking with God will quickly turn against us when we realize that we've been wrong in straying away from the Lord. This is such a classic picture. We know that Satan cannot enter a Christian, but the enemy can make repeated attempts to negatively influence and infect our thinking, especially if we're feasting on the philosophies of the world and fasting from the Word of God. Your mind diet matters. The less time you spend in the Word, the more likely it is that you will wrestle with conflicted thoughts about spiritual matters, your philosophy of life. So many things will be so hard for you because you're not walking in wisdom, redeeming the time. Before long, you're like a swimmer who has turned his back on the shore and didn't realize how far he had drifted away from safety. The next time you read the Gospels, consider this. Judas Iscariot made choices based on selfish desires. Anyone could do that, and that includes us. You've probably heard this question before, but it is so worth repeating. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence for a conviction? We all need to take an honest look at our lives regularly to examine ourselves for errors that could be leading us away from the Lord. A Christian could live like a Judas— even though they're born again. Inconsistency and contradictory living confuses this unbelieving culture, leading them to the incorrect conclusion that there's no value in Christianity. Here's a passage of scripture that will double as a prayer request. I highly encourage you to pray these verses. Psalm 139 verses 23 through 24 are very familiar, and they say this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This not only makes a great daily prayer, but it makes a prayer that God will be happy to answer. You've been listening to Francie Taylor. For more from Francie, visit KeepTheHeart.com for devotionals, books, and the popular Bible study series, I See You, In Christ Unconditionally. ICU is flexible by design and encourages users to develop the habit of daily Bible study. Visit KeepTheHeart.com today. Thank you for listening.